0: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: No Patrick Maher today. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetald are here running down the rotation for the National Football League just got done any other cleanup chicago tampa bay you guys got nothing else you wanted to add there
4: i know my play is ugly like i'm aware of it it's one of those deals where this is not professional handicapping obviously it's coming out of my mouth but sometimes when things feel so obvious the opposite happens in the nfl and the one that feels obvious is thinking the buccaneers beating the vikings who we saw lose to the the eagles last night like, that was a uh, a win to change your rating of the Buccaneers, and I just think the movement on the line is a bit of an overreaction.
3: So with my – I mentioned JVM and the 10.89-point the projected win for Tampa Bay. I actually know what the flaw is there, that the model is heavily based on offensive statistics and, Tom quarter, Brady. and quarterback play. No, uh, I've actually put Baker Mayfield oh. into the equation. The problem is that the Chicago Bears' offensive statistics and Justin Fields' off statistics as a quarterback – are terrible
4: yeah yeah no no and uh, we, we played a clip from fields on the show yesterday jvt where, where he kind of talked about it he put it on himself where he thought he was a little too tentative at time and didn't take enough risks with the ball but really i thought the game plan was bad and some things got exposed from this bears offense and my hope is you know the the old adage from week one to week two you make your biggest improvements and they'll figure something hey. out here for, for tampa though by the way tampa even with tom brady last year i, I believe they're on a two and six ats run right now
3: uh, hey look I can understand watching last year in that first game, the Bears' offense is really heading in the right direction, clearly improving on a week-to-week basis. (laughs) Nothing? All right. All right, we move on. I know you got something here. I had absolutely nothing. Las Vegas on the road against Buffalo. Now, the Raiders did stay back uh, on the East Coast. They were in West Virginia practicing, so this should help, at least when it comes to, you know, I guess people say travel west to east, whatever. I think it's a very overblown thing. These guys are flying very, very nicely, we'll yeah. say. It's and very with
4: plenty of notice to get acclimated to the 100%. new place. 100%. Yeah.
3: So they, they stayed over, though, so they didn't have to fly back and forth. So that should help Las Vegas. And for anybody out there who thinks that's going to be an issue, this thing is down to eight in favor of Buffalo with a total of 47. I had nothing. I will say this. I thought Jimmy G played really well in the game against Denver. Going back and rewatching that, offense was perfectly fine against the Denver Broncos. Wide receiver play was good. Speaking of that, I think you have some questions. What's going on with the Raiders? Did we get an official rule on Jacoby Myers? Concussion still. Yeah, concussion protocol still, so that's going to be an issue. Devontae Adams didn't practice Wednesday, but he's going to be fine, it sounds like. Same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. What'd you make of this? Because I'll say, too... If you're surprised by what happened on Monday night for Buffalo, you haven't watched Josh Allen. That's who Josh Allen is. It's exactly how he plays, and the Jets' defense is very good, but I'm not going to be surprised if he commits another four-turnover where he plays here against the Raiders.
4: So I have a prop, actually, on Josh Allen, and it's actually a positive prop. I went into it thinking my research would prove that you should fade Josh Allen this week because coming off three picks in his career, his uh, two performances following – one was against the Jets in a 27 to 10 win where they covered 16 points. He went 24 of 45, good God, 53%, 239 yards, two touchdowns, also ran for 63. And then the other one was uh, back in 19. They covered, uh, they, pl- they won outright as two and a half dogs at Tennessee, 219 yards, 72% passing, two touchdowns, one pick, 27 rush yards. So I was like, All right, how is this guy do off of multi-interception games? Because there's been a few of them in his career. I went back through the records, and I looked. Five out of, out of 12 times he's gone over what his prop total is right now for passing yards, 256 and a half. Five out of 12. And that number seems, seems daunting, right, to, to fade him and bet the under? Well, how about in 18, 19, and 20, he was 0 and 9 in going over 256 and a half passing yards. Since then, he's gone 5 and 3. And the reason why I'm going to lean towards backing Josh Allen over 256 and a half pass yards, this Raiders defense was the fourth worst against the pass a year ago. They allowed 28 and a half and a quarter pass yards on the road versus 234 at home. They're a much worse defense against the pass when they're away from the friendly confines here in Vegas. Now you send them across the country to Buffalo where Josh Allen has a chip on his shoulder and wants to make a statement here and him and Ken Dorsey need to get right. I'm going to back him going over 256 and a half pass yards. Like that call there against this Raiders defense, who played fairly
5: well, gave up 260 total yards against this Denver team. I'll tell you what, though, JVT, I thought that was a deceptive game. You mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo, 20 for 26, did an effective job, did have the one turnover. He's going to have to avoid that on the road if the Raiders are going to have a chance to be successful here. But I don't think they're going to be able to duplicate, again, only 11 third down attempts in this game, 5 for 11. This was a fast-paced moving game. This was a time of possession. Both teams really seemed like they were controlling the clock. I I just don't think the Raiders are going to have enough offense. It's a bad spot for them. I know it's a quick turnaround for Buffalo, but the travel's not far from uh, the Meadowlands back to western New York. I think Buffalo gets on track. They don't start out 0-2. I took Buffalo officially my survivor play.
4: I think that's what it's going to end up being for me as well. I think it's the most obvious survivor play on the board. And, And in week two, just survive in advance. Yeah.
3: They'll survive. I, I think the, the number seems a little high. If you were to ask me, I think I'd rather take eight than lay it uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. No, I yeah. get that, but uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't touch either side. Yeah, it, it, and I'm, I'm very curious. I mean, you mentioned actually Garoppolo played pretty well. The one turnover he actually didn't get charged with the turnover Really the play. If you remember, it was a throw into a yeah. somewhat tight window. It got popped up and intercepted yeah. in the end zone. Uh, but I'm very curious when you look at this Buffalo team if Josh Allen is going to continue to just do what he's doing. Because if you look at it, too, against the the New York Jets, they didn't blitz him that much. Again, this is kind of the recipe now for Allen. It's we are going to force you to sit back in the pocket, not roll out to your right that you love to do. You're going to have to dissect coverages, and you're going to have to see what the best available play is, and he's just not that great at doing that. He was blitzed uh, 11 times against uh, against the New York Jets when he was blitzed, He had a PFF passing grade of 80, didn't commit a single turnover-worthy play. When he wasn't blitzed, that was on thirty nine of his dropbacks, 41.9 PFF passing grade, threw three interceptions, committed four turnover-worthy plays.
5: Yeah, and I'll tell you what, the first interception, I just kind of chalk up to being better than the punt. It got down to run inside the five-yard line on the pick. And
3: I think there was a strategy on that, too. Take the shot and see what happens.
5: Yeah, exactly. But the other two, I thought those were inexcusable for a player of his experience and caliber. And I think he got, what, sacked five times total? In that game? Uh,
3: yes, I believe so. And, and
5: so, I mean, yep, that's a little bit of a concern when you look at it. Now, this Raiders team won't be able to apply as much pressure outside of Max Crosby. I think it's a pretty good spot overall. I tend to agree with you, JVT. I don't want to lay, lay eight here with the Bills. I would be more apt to take the Raiders with the points. But I think Buffalo finds a way to win the game.
4: Yeah, I just think there's going to be a point of emphasis coming off how bad that game was with them throwing the football and getting things right against an awful team that Is really bad at defending the pass Mm -hmm. that's why i like the prop but i can't touch the side i can't touch the totals but i think i think josh allen's gonna come out slinging because he needs to prove it not just to like everyone else but kind of prove it to himself that he can be what he was when brian dayball was his offensive coordinator because honestly for ken dorsey his job may be on the line here
3: yeah i mean it doesn't help that your quarterback is a a turnover machine and that's like i keep saying man i I always got a lot of crap early on when dable was making josh allen look brilliant like, this is kind of who the guy has been. It's the scheme. Yep. Dable was great in terms of kind of containing it for a bit. But you're starting to see some teams adjusting the way they're handling Josh Allen. All right. It's actually, you know who faced something similar a couple of years back? Teams started doing it to Patrick Mahomes. That he was killing He was killing teams when they were blitzing him, yep. and so they said, you know what, let's just drop everybody back and see how you respond. First couple of weeks, Riffy completely bounced back and was perfectly fine after that because he is one of the best, and actually right now he is the best quarterback in the NFL. So now he's on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars, three-and-a-half alter juice all over the place, 51 the total here. Similar situation for Detroit. Extra time to get ready because you play on Thursday night to open the season. This is going to be a fascinating game because now the Chiefs are at full strength. Travis Kelsey is back. Chris Jones is on the field. This is the Chiefs that we expect to see. My real question how's the offensive line hold up? We talked about that pressure number 44% of his dropbacks Mahomes is pressured on. You did well against Detroit. Can you keep doing that if you're going to be under pressure this entire game?
5: I would agree with you. That's the big question mark. When you look at this team, can they be effective uh, in terms of holding up against this Jaguars defense uh, who comes out with a 31-21 win against the Colts in week number one? But guys, uh, if they're not able to protect him, they're in serious trouble here. Just uh, two sacks uh, by the Jags last time out
3: against Indianapolis. And, and I only pressured him on 13 th- dropbacks, by the way, too. That's a really low rate.
5: And, and, and you know what? I know Richardson creates more difficulty just because of his speed and his physical prowess in terms of bringing him down. But you mentioned the low number of uh, dropbacks in terms of which he got pressured. If you don't get pressure on Mahomes, he's going to be surgical. And this team, Kadarius Tony's going to actually look like he can catch the football.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: This Jacksonville team, I like them. I like what how they look. I like the roster construction. I like the steps that they're taking to get there. But they're not there yet. That's my biggest point here is I don't think they're quite at the pedigree that they need to be to beat a team like the Chiefs. I know they're catching three and a hook at home. I'm actually going to take the Chiefs on the road. I'm laying it again on another, another road team. I don't love the sound of that, but this Jacksonville squad let Indy hang around. In fact, they were losing going into the fourth quarter against Indianapolis indianapolis with anthony richardson at quarterback in his first career start now a fluky play fluky play happened where deforest buckner ran it in where the jacksonville so te- defense or offense mm-hmm. thought the, the play was blown dead either way beginning of the fourth quarter this team was losing they have a lot to prove to me before i think they can take down the likes of a fully healthy chiefs team i mean whether how how healthy travis kelsey really is we'll see saw a video of him dancing at practice leg look good to me yeah that's good enough for me i think kelsey has an option over the middle uh coming back for this week changes the whole dynamic of that chief's offense jvt
5: i think this game the lines the most important we're going to see all week of any of the games sure. i think the three three and a half and four could theoretically really be in play here because this feels like I don't know, 28-24, Kansas City, 27-24, somewhere right in that range. So I think the number is going to be crucial in terms of how you approach this one. You know, yesterday I was critical of the fact that, listen, if you love a game, take it, don't worry about the move as much, and it may not come into play. Now, yesterday, Minnesota ends up losing the game by six points. But if you, unless you're extremely confident, don't bet a game that's that close to the number. And I think Kansas City wins, but I don't want to lay three and a half on the road here.
3: So you mentioned Kelsey, something interesting, small sample size, but worth noting in the in the quad or not the quadrants but you know you break down the areas yeah. of the field right in terms of the way you're passing the two areas of the field with anthony richardson graded the highest on as a passer intermediate center he was three of four downfield for 50 yards pff passing grade of 74.5 and short center 77.3 pff passing grade and he uh, i think he only had one or no should would be seven to ten on that one so again to your point could be a big game for travis kelsey if you cannot protect the middle of the field against anthony richardson what are you going to do against patrick Mahomes and travis kelsey
5: well he's going to eat you Yep. I mean, he's just absolutely going to crush that defense. and I think it's a great opportunity for the Chiefs to get back on track. One of the things is, I think teams starting out 0-1, it's such a crucial game, especially yep. for good teams. I think it's an important
4: opportunity for Kansas City.
3: Dustin has a twinkle in his eye. You like those numbers, huh? Those are good. <laughs> it made me feel good on the inside. Numbers are awesome. I
4: won't, I'll tell you off the air which body part it tingles the most. All right,
3: we'll come back. I can't wait to hear that. Unless I'm not here, then I didn't really like the answer. It's sharp money. I'm decent.
1: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money
3: with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the sports betting network. Get rewarded before you ever place a bet with a G Bank Visa Signature Card. Unlike other credit cards that decline sports betting transactions or treat them as a cash advance, the G Bank Visa Signature Card can load directly to your favorite sportsbook apps. You'll earn a one percent cash rewards on gaming and sports app loads every time, and two percent on other purchases. G Bank Visa is a card designed for gaming and sports fans everywhere, and works with apps like DraftKings, BetMGM, and Caesars. To learn more, go to g.bank/vsin. That is g.bank/vsin. It is Sharp Money here on the Esports Betting Network. I'm Jonathan Von Toble filling in for Patrick Maher. We are rolling through the rotation for the NFL schedule this weekend. We begin with Baltimore on the road against Cincinnati. Uh, this is another one of the JVM edges that I don't really love. I uh, got a projected win for the Cincinnati Bengals of about a touchdown uh, for this against the Baltimore Ravens. And I will say, Joe Burrow, actually, if you look back in the past, has done very well against Baltimore yep. uh, statistically. And part of it has to do with the scheme. They do like the blitz. He's very good against the blitz. It's kind of a theme with some of these really good quarterbacks. And if you're going to send it at him, then he's going to make you pay. You do wonder if they're going to do that as much here against the Bengals, given how much he has burned them. And you just wonder does the slow start continue for Joe Burrow with the way that he looked against Cleveland? Now, I tend to draw lines through performances like that. One, it was so uncharacteristic. Two, rain changes a whole bunch of things right he didn't commit a turnover where play so he wasn't putting the ball in danger I think there's a much more realistic chance that you get the old looking Joe Burrow here uh, as opposed to what you saw last week not anything strong that I felt worth playing it as an actual bet but again because of the way model the JVM put it out uh, it's going to be a contest play with the Bengals for me
5: I don't have a problem with that play here, but I'll tell you what. You know, the Ravens need a new strength and conditioning coach. When you start to look at this team and the injuries, yeah. J.K. Dobbins out yep. for the year once again. Ronnie Stanley, knee injury out. Mark Andrews, questionable. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, we know he's been out.
3: Really quick, uh, it was announced today, they, Andrews is going to play. For oh, he's going to play? Yeah, okay. so thank He you. is going to be questionable, but they, they expect him to be out on the field. Okay,
5: thank you. Um, But, you know, overall, this team, the health has always been a concern. I think talent-wise, they match up very, very well with Cincinnati. Obviously, the Bengals being at home, a crucial game, coming off a really anemic performance by this offense. Good opportunity to bounce back here. But then on the flip side, Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense didn't look great. I know they, by the final score, looked like a comfortable margin of victory against uh, Houston, and it was, but it was not as one-sided as the game may have appeared based on the final score. So there's something I would proceed with caution if you're looking at the Bengals here. This is an important game for both teams. I know, as I said, Baltimore one week one,
4: but, man, neither team looked good. This is one of those stay-away spots, almost like, you know, when they, they, they call a foul on the court. You don't know who it's on, but you know it's the guy who's like hands up immediately. When I saw this, this game come out in the line, I went, hands up, not doing it, not touching this game for a few reasons. One, uh, Lamar Jackson's an underdog. Lamar Jackson's 10-0-1 ATS as an underdog in his career. But based on what Amal just said and what we saw against Houston, I cannot back him here. Mm. On the other side, I can't back Cincinnati either. I don't know Joe Burrow's health status. I don't know how good he feels. I also don't know how much we can judge. Was them? Was the weather in week one against Cleveland? I am not totally sure what to make from either team at this moment. Either team has the potential to be a Super Bowl team. But right now, there's a lot of question marks, and then the injuries for Baltimore make it even harder to back them, catching the three on the road here in Cincy. I am completely staying away from this contest. I mean, 82 yards passing? It's, a, no, no,
3: it's an anomaly.
5: Yeah, it, it is. But I mean, to me, at some point in time, I don't understand why they weren't able to do anything. I mean, this team was just absolutely oh, struggling throughout the whole game.
3: I mean, as we talked about when I was here, I think I was here with you guys on Monday, right? Or Tuesday, whatever it was. Um, I, I think that said a lot about Cleveland, more than it said about Cincinnati. I think Cleveland defensively is very good. Schwartz is a good defensive coordinator. You've said it before. Denzel Ward, obviously, as you know, is a very good corner. They've got got really good talent on all three levels. On top of it being a weather game and on top of Burrow coming back from the calf injury, I think all of those kind of came together to make what was a very odd performance for Burrow.
5: By the way, I think the the most unbalanced time of possession in week one, 35 minutes and 50 seconds for the Browns,
4: 24 minutes and 10 seconds for Cincinnati. Well, that makes sense because while having Joe Mixon, like they are not a team that bases things off of the run, right? It's very much based off of the screen game with Jamar Chase. Almost treat treat him like a runner at times, the way they conservatively get the ball into his hands.
3: And I mentioned, too, should um note... Uh, for anybody out there, Joe Burrow, in terms of what he's done against the Baltimore Ravens in his career, 8.1 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns of three interceptions, uh, in terms of my reference, that he's done very well, Has averaged 311 yards passing against them throughout his career. So, again, nothing actual play for me. Uh, very interested to see. Also very interested to see Burrow's offensive line against this Baltimore Ravens front. The Ravens pressured the Houston Texans quite a bit in C.J. Yeah. Stroud, uh, but I think there was more about the offensive line for Houston I think I brought this up to you before, Dustin. I have my questions about Baltimore's defensive line from a pass-rushing perspective. Let's see if you can do this against Joe Burrow and Cincy because that game last week against Cleveland, part of that, too, was your offensive line was really, really bad in terms of pass protection, uh, pressured on just over a third, 36.4% of his dropbacks.
4: By the way, if Zay Flowers has another, another nice game, he's a guy to keep watching for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think a quarterback will end up winning it, but curious to see the movement on Zay Flowers just because he – is he emerged already week one, debut a week ago as the most dynamic pass option in that offense. Well, the other thing to keep in mind
5: is if you didn't watch Zay Flowers play at BC, he's one of the quickest receivers already in the league. Not necessarily straight line speed, but just pure quickness. And the other thing is Lamar's ability to break down the pocket and get outside and do other things. I think Zay Flowers would be wide open in some opportunities where plays are breaking down because he
4: can just get open. Nine catches for 78 yards last week. And I think there's a misconception that he's a quote-unquote slot guy because he's 5'9". He can do it all. He oh, can yeah. line up anywhere.
3: Yep, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the to your point, the thought is you have to be a big guy to be a deep threat. No, not the case. You can be chase. a little in a burner. Yep, absolutely. All right, so you said, what would you do when you saw this game? Was it Baltimore and Cincinnati? Yeah, I was like, nope,
4: hands up, can't do it. Get me out of here. Giants. Nope. Any pit stains? No pit stains. I'm Giants
3: right. Cardinals for me. No shot I'm getting involved in this thing. Oh, I'm in. Uh, I, so, I, you know, look, you're a Giants guy. Uh, you can rank them however you want, Minnesota the, and, and New York. These were regression candidates, one and two. Uh, for me, the Giants were number one. Somebody bet them over their win total last year. It, it was incredible watching what Dable was able to do. This is not a overreaction to what I saw against the Cowboys. I just think this is... This is a team I had slated for regression, and the regression showed up in a very big way the first week. I don't feel comfortable going out and laying it against the Arizona Cardinals, even with how bad the Cardinals can be.
5: I would agree with you. I think when you look at this Giants team, tons of questions all over. Defensively, I don't really know how to gauge them because they give up the two touchdowns, one on special teams, the other one on a defensive touchdown. But I am completely in agreement with you, JVT. I don't think Arizona was that bad. Now, there are some concerns from the offensive side, particularly throwing the ball with Josh Dobbs. But on the flip side, I thought the defense did a decent job against Washington. However, that's the commanders. Let's see what this Cardinals team can do against this Giants team. I'm not playing this game, but if I were to, I would be
4: looking at taking the Cardinals in the four. So I will likely have a play on the Giants in the first half. I wouldn't suggest anyone going with me. That's more of a gut play because I think we didn't know what we were going to see from one Josh Dobbs to this new coaching regime. We got some film on tape from week one against Washington. Now we know some tendencies and some game plans and some ideas and concepts that Arizona is working with other Jonathan, under Jonathan Gannon. I think Brian Dable realized that game got out of, out of control very quickly and very early. He said, it's bad weather. We're just going to walk out of here and end up unscathed. Well... I guess not totally unscathed because Andrew Thomas is going to be a questionable game time decision for the Giants at left tackle, but I think the Giants added so many pieces on offense. They should be able to cover a first half number below a field goal at minus two and a half, but the play I really like in this game, Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was never held out of the end zone back-to-back weeks last year. He had no touchdowns in week one. It's minus twenty, but Saquon Barkley is your best bet here To find the end zone of the anytime touchdown, guys. I just think the Giants, when they're in the red zone, they ran the ball almost 60% of the time, 58.9%, fifth highest in the NFL. The Cardinals have allowed 20 rushing touchdowns in the red zone since the start of last year. That's tied for third most in the NFL. The Giants get down to the red zone. They'll get it in the hands of Barkley. He'll find the end zone. You don't always love laying $1.20, but in this case, I like it
5: tend to agree I think Barkley scores yesterday I said DeAndre Swift ends up getting the last touchdown for Philly a plus 160 anytime scorer but to me I think Barkley is a guy and then Daniel Jones becomes dangerous when you get in the red zone there because of his mobility
3: uh, as we were talking as well so a couple of things have come down especially about this game uh, with the injury report Arizona Cardinals officially tweeted it out so we still have issues about Kelvin Beecham uh Buda Baker as well is questionable too so things to keep an eye on when it comes to injury report for Arizona I also wanted to note because we just talked about this game uh a late addition to the injury report for the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud is Whoa. questionable for the Houston Texans in their matchup this weekend against the Indianapolis Colts. So
4: curious what that would actually do to the line if Dave, if uh, what's his name, Davis Mills is thrown back out there.
3: Uh, Hook is starting to disappear. I don't think it would be worth much. Yeah, uh, I don't. Th- if the difference between Davis Mills and C.J. Stroud at this point is nothing, Marginal. I would say. Yeah, so maybe it, maybe the hook disappears. Maybe Indy goes off as a favorite. Uh,
4: and it's official Charles Cross for the Seahawks is out in week two. There you go. There was a chance he might play. So he's out. The right tackle went on IR after Pete Carroll said he might play. That is something, to, maybe a prop on Aiden Hutchinson to go over his sack total if you can bet on those wherever you live. Yep,
3: we'll see what the market does too with that number. It's four and a half now. So those are the injuries we're keeping track of what the market's going to do. Uh, the offensive tackles, what that means for the line against Seattle and Detroit, and CJ Stroud now questionable for Houston and what the market wants to do with that game. All right, when we come back, we still have a couple of games left, of course, for Sunday. Uh, On the other side, we could talk San Francisco and Los Angeles. Pretty fascinating to watch what the Rams did against the Seattle Seahawks. Performed very, very well, obviously. Got a very big win. And now find themselves catching seven, seven and a half at home against the San Francisco 49ers. And, of course, what the Jets are going to do with our guy, Zach Wilson. I'll say our guy. He needs some support. Zach Wilson. Oh, the ball's all over him. Against the Dallas Cowboys. We have much more to get to. Sharp money You're on VC, the Sports Betting Network.
2: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Football's back in full swing. Another week of epic games on the way. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, and official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football. Get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now. Use code SHARP to sign up. New customers can bet just $5. Take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code SHARP. The crown is yours. Wrapping up the second hour here on Sharp Money, Coming up in the next hour, Mike Samich is going to be with us, of course, host of the Handle on the weekends. He'll be with us to discuss uh, his co-host's ridiculous take on the uh, out of bounds play, and uh, also football as well. So, front we'll, have to, we'll have to
5: get his opinion
3: on that one. Uh, you're in Survivor with him, correct? You, me, and, Samich, and Patrick. We just locked
4: in our play. You We're guys turned agreeing. down my
3: payment of eighty three dollars and thirty three cents to each of you, so I could get in on this Survivor thing, huh? <laughs>
4: You want, to, you want to buy in?
3: I want to buy in. I'll give you each $83.33.
4: Week two, it's worth more than that now. No, no, no. What? Because you got past week one? Yes. Who'd you guys have?
5: Baltimore? Yeah. Uh, Guess downgrade what? Downgrade you just based on that alone.
4: Guess what? A couple thousand people didn't get through to
5: week two. Theirs just worth zero. Well, if, they were, if 600 people were dumb enough to take the Hawks.
3: Yeah, it, look, we see the survivor count up here. Let's not act like there's like 20 people left in this and thing. By the right?
5: way, by the way, the total, I did the math real quick. If nobody else loses, you get $1,289 or something. I'll take it. <laughs> so just he can give you $1,283, he gives you $289, okay? Just, and just think about said.
3: it. $83 goes a long way. And 33 cents. I'll take out the change. Not with my vices, it doesn't. <laughs> well, that's a good point. He's giving you
5: a fair 250. That's not a bad call there.
3: See? Exactly, right? A fair 250 split. I'll give it to each of you. Huh? I'm telling you. Just make, make the decision right now. No! Wow, I thought we were closer than that, dude. I'm
4: going to win like six million dollars. What are
3: you talking all right, about? All
4: right, all right, eighty-five by, each. By the way, I got a question. Whose name is the entry on mine? <laughs> See
5: ya. Yeah, by the way, so
3: same thing because Mitch and I are in on this <laughs> contest entry. He, you know, he's somebody asked me like, what, what is Mitch even doing with this model thing? And I was like, oh, he's an investor. That's the most important or- part. Uh, but when we when we met at Superbook, he kind of like he's like kind of like hem, hemming and hawing. He's like, uh, by the way, like who's this going under? And I was like, I'll take it. He's like, "All right, cool." And I was like, "Yeah, because when we win, guess what? You're not gonna sit."
4: <laughs> well, d- divide right. Divide a thousand by three. You get 30, thirty-three hundred and thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents. But I'm not gonna ask them to send me that. So I'm putting in like a couple extra dollars. So that way, my investment is worth more when we win Survivor. Oh, I was just thinking he's gonna take the full check for eight million
5: dollars and be out of the country.
3: I mean, that's what I would do. They I have, mean, no, they they have they no legal standing.
5: Exactly right.
3: M- Mitch is getting – when we when I win this – when I win the Super Contest, Mitch is getting his 500 back, and we're we're, we're, we're good. <laughs> you
4: got to give him a little, little kick, a little percentage for, for believing in 525. you. 525. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had to explain to him how to commit the proper crime
3: with a right. cell
4: phone. I knew he was not going to be evading the country.
3: Immediately. That's, a, that's a good point.
4: Well, no, I would, use, I would only buy a burner to do illegal activities. That's a lie. I've done a lot of illegal stuff. I mean, stuff look,
3: I, I told you because I'm a closet like true crime guy, kind of like that stuff. And we had the uh, the crazy case of a, of a few months ago where the guy, you know, a bunch in of Idaho? Uh, people Idaho, were yeah, yeah were murdered in a, in a like a frat house essentially or like something like that. The, the guy took the phone with them, and they were, like, tracking his movement the whole time. Thought it was clever turning it off and on. Like, turning it no, off right at,
4: at the cusp of the crime yeah, scene and turning it back on lift, after. Leave
3: the phone at home anyway. No, put the phone in a moving vehicle. Forget it in an Uber or something. No, that's a good point. That's a good one, too. Hey, I play this back ultimately when I uh, when I stab Mitch in the back and take all the money for myself.
4: <laughs> Not literally, though, right? No, no, of course. Why would I have to take him out? No <laughs> exactly. Point. You said the you m- love true crime, so I didn't know if you wanted to be on one.
3: Oh, uh, I— Don't get me started down this path. I've gone down the dark path before when I've been inebriated. Could I get away with a crime like that? I've thought about things. I couldn't.
4: And here's why. I would tell everyone about it. Well, that's the biggest mistake. I'm
3: talking about not the mental fortitude because, yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to, like, keep it together. But in terms of the actual steps that you would need to take to get away with it. I'll
5: tell you one thing. If you go out east in this town, like, you know, 20 miles past the city. It is so dark. You can't see your hand in front of your face out there at night. Spoken uh, with
4: some uh, confidence like you've done it before? I can't claim or deny.
3: Okay. Washington or Denver, can you, can you corroborate that you'll be involved in this game? <laughs> uh, no. No.
4: No. No. Hands up. <laughs> Hands up. I'm out. Uh,
3: I got to say. Uh, I plead the fifth. I think that this is, I made this thing, a, a, you know, JVM had this as a near pick, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of actually the right thing to do here. Denver was fine in the loss to, to the, the, the Raiders, but again, with Russell uh, Wilson, like he graded out fine, but still less than 200 yards passing yeah. against that defense. Like He looked better rolling out of the pocket. There was some extension of plays there, but I, I didn't really love still what you saw from this Broncos offense. You talked about true crime.
4: You put a gun to my head, I would back the commanders here. But I don't want to. I don't want to be involved in this game at all. I don't want it on one of my TVs. I am offended watching Russell Wilson play quarterback. I can't wait to see if Sean Payton can still coach because we're not going to find out till Russell Wilson's gone.
5: Yeah. By the way, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to watch this game because we've got a bad 4 o'clock window
4: to, on Sunday. Oh, I didn't even look at the Giant, timing Giants, Cardinals, well, Rams, no
5: 49ers, on. Jets, Cowboys, and Commanders and Broncos. And I'll tell you what, to Dustin's point, I'm with him. I would take the Commanders in this one. I'm not going to play this game. I don't like either side. Can this Washington offensive line hold up against this Broncos front four? That's a question. And then on the flip side, can Denver hold up against a pretty decent
4: Washington, in defense, oh, you know, I just realized the schedule. Why it's the way it was? They wanted everyone to watch the Jets and Dallas. That's exactly right. Oh, right. Yeah, that, that was that exactly was right. Yeah, I mean, that the- was right.
5: I'm surprised <laughs> they're even actually playing other games. I'm surprised they weren't like, "Hey, we got America's team, and we got Rogers, we can't the- have any other games I mean,
3: point spread wise, it doesn't look that like appetizing. But I'll say this: if you get the Rams from last week, 49ers Rams is going to be very, very but, good. Yeah,
5: I would agree with you. But there's Fair. been so many times where the 49ers turned that late window into an absolute massacre. And it's not as good of a game. But yeah, and then it,
4: what, what are the Rams, really? Because we were all really down on them. They, they beat up the Seahawks in the second half. Like, what really are the Rams? What is the ceiling there? They've got, like, five known players. And also your boy, uh, what's it, Puka? Nakua. Puka Nakua. Nakua. from BYU. He, he's, he's banged up now, and he was a star in week one.
5: He <laughs> was a star in week one. I, you know, I have no plan this game. I don't know where you come out, JVT.
3: Uh, Oh, nothing. I mean, like I said, I think so again, like I personally made the number less than a field goal. The model came out as a near pick. Uh, I I just think that's kind of where I'm at. Like it's a low total and a game that I don't think I'd be comfortable laying three and a half with the Denver. Definitely not going under either 38 and a half. God, that is a low total.
5: Yeah, completely agree with you guys. By the way, when we get to the Sunday night game, it'll be gray, cloudy and overcast in Foxborough. I I swear to God, I don't even think the sun ever comes out in Foxborough. I think they're in the Big Ten.
3: Exactly. Uh, Well, Mac Jones plays quarterback like he's from the Big Ten. So let's talk about that. So uh, Miami on the road against the New England Patriots, Sunday night game, very exciting. So I had to go back. I went back and watched, and I, I, you know, I'm all. It might have been you who made this statement, or somebody else at the network that I was talking to on one of these shows, but somebody made the comment at one point that. Mac Jones didn't really look that good. And I went back and rewatched it. I thought he looked actually very solid. He looked more like the rookie version of Mac Jones than he did of the Mac Jones in last year. PFF graded him out just above average at a 76.9 passing grade. We know the three touchdowns. He had four very nice throws, committed quite a few turnover-worthy plays, so that's going to be part of the issue here. But I think when I look at a game like this and. I see the market push this up to a full three after what Tua did on the road against Los Angeles. I'll go back to a point that we, we all made when we were talking about that Chargers-Dolphins game before. Yes, it was incredible. And you won by two points, right? Like, that is something that I think you have to factor in here. I think the Patriots are good enough that if you're talking about getting to like three and a half, if we get there... I like to me. It's Patriots or pass. I'll put it very simply. I don't want to lay three with Tua and the New, or excuse me, the Miami Dolphins on the road against a Patriots defense that has looked formidable last year and in the first game against Philly. I'd like to correct one thing you said. I did not say Mac Jones did. That's, that's why I said it. it might have been you. I didn't remember. Yeah, I didn't no, put it all. I didn't argue.
5: want to be facing that indictment. Yeah, yeah. But look, guys, for me, the big takeaway from that first matchup was I thought the Patriots defense played well, and I think they'll play well against Miami here. I like the Pats at home on a Sunday night, getting three points. You mentioned possibly getting to three out I don't think Tua plays at the same level did in week number one with 466 yards i think they'll do a good job in negating what tyreek hill is capable of doing he's still going to get his but yeah. 215 yards come on that's that's a career day and so for me i would be looking at the patriots here they've got to be more effective running the ball zeke had a fumble uh ramondre stevenson was just not good i think he had 12 for 25 he's got to be better than that those two guys combined for 54 yards uh, on 19 carries they've got to be more effective
4: running the ball it's a big ask for tua to go on the road at the chargers win that game And then on the road in New England, where the Dolphins have struggled in Foxborough historically, uh, especially under Bill Belichick, it's a really tough ask to go in there and win. I'd be inclined to back the Patriots. Maybe if it gets up a little bit higher, I might jump in here. The under feels like the play to me. I think that Belichick... Could limit and take things away from Tua, and potentially limit the scoring here. And on the other side, I don't know about the New England offense being able to keep up pace with Miami. So the under feels like a vibe I like better. Just a note: so Belichick has a home underdog, fourteen nine ATS in his career. But I'm all like this. Since Tom Brady left, he's three and six ATS as a home underdog.
3: Also, but think I'm about that—he's got three wins. Wait, wait, and think about this too, really quickly: how long has Belichick been a coach? 14 and 9. So we're only talking about 23 instances. Yes, yeah. That's geez, amazing. It's been an home underdog. And a vast majority of them have probably come in the last few yes. years. Yes, exactly yes. right. Yeah. Well, nine of them have come Two in the last. You have a left. Yep.
5: But you know what? You mentioned the under here. I tend to agree with Dustin. I think 46 snaps is a little bit of a
3: high number. You got to
5: go yeah, over that 45. Yep. And if New England is playing in a higher scoring game, I don't think it bodes well for them. I was
3: just about to say, I think it correlates. Like for me, as somebody who thinks New England is probably the yeah. side here, I would tend to correlate that to the under. If it's Miami, you're tending to correlate that to the over because that means the offense is doing what it's supposed to be doing yeah i might add the i might before we get done with today i might make that an official play
4: i, I think the patriots
5: are going to keep it they got to be more effective on the ground and i think they'll be able to do just that how do you not
3: say the tom brady run out for this game they used it. they used it last week against philly what are we doing because there was a chance he could have been a jet this week that's okay all right we'll, we'll take our break mike Savage joins us next year on shark money
6: Nikki Glaser Podcast
1: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: Third hour of Sharp Money here on V-CIN, v the Sports Betting Network, live from the D, Las Vegas. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Model Sharpe, Dustin Swedelson are here, of course. And we welcome in Mike Samich, host of The Handle here on the network. That's at 4 p.m. Pacific time on the weekends. Mike, good to talk to you. Ooh, look at that. You got av Sin V-CIN pop-up as well. Uh, really part of the family. All right. Let's talk first off a couple of things. Uh, Dustin and I were having a really nuanced conversation about this in the second hour uh, while Amal was trying to be a professional, best <laughs> filling on a donut, Mike Samich, would be what?
7: Oh, that's easy. No filling. The, the, the donut fillings are terrible. You just go with the regular glaze. Maybe get a little chocolate frosting on there. But you can't have fillings in donuts. It's just it's not good.
3: Well, this is a good spot. Mike, we'll talk to you next Friday. Uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> we appreciate it. Enough. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk. Uh, I'm going to we'll throw this out, Mike. Maybe you'll like this or not. I know the plays that you like here in the National Football League. Does it give you confidence? Or does it shake your confidence that John Von Model is lock and step with two of the
7: three plays that you have? I mean, you went what twelve and four? The yeah. model did last week. It did, four yes. and one in the contest. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it got it has to give me confidence at this point. Although I guess. We could say your model is in uh, is it should expect some regression this week. So maybe it's not such a good thing.
3: Uh, Yes, it should expect some regression. It's absolutely ridiculous what happened the first week and some of the edges it has. So let's talk about some of the games you got. First off, uh, the one of the ones that they are lock and step with uh, Bengals minus three against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, What's the breakdown here laying the points with Cincy?
7: This to me is just a spot where the injuries you have to take into account. I I wrote an article yesterday for the site about in-game betting and the two areas where I specifically focus on in-game betting are when you have offensive line injuries and secondary injuries. And Baltimore has both of those. They're out two starters on the offensive line, two starters in the secondary. That's going to hinder their ability to move the ball and stop this offense at the same time. On the other side of the ball here, we look about Cincinnati's first game. That was just a terrible spot against the Browns. They were always going to be bad there. We bet the Browns in that game. It was logical that defense was going to play well. You didn't have Burrow practicing much before that game. Now he gets a full week of practice heading into this game. And the weather is something I don't think is being talked about enough in that Baltimore-Cincinnati game either. Uh, I'm sorry, that Cincinnati-Browns game either. When you go back and you watch that film... Neither quarterback was really having success throwing the ball downfield. You had errant throws on both sides uh, from both quarterbacks. To me, you're going to see a much crisper offense out of the Bengals this week. You get a full week of Burrow practicing, and you've got a riddled Baltimore Ravens team already. If they take any more injuries, either on the offensive line or in the secondary, they're going to be in a world of hurt here. They're already in trouble going into the game. During the game, it could get worse for them. Once this ticked down from three and a half to three, I felt like you had to get in on the Bengals.
5: Mike, on the Lombardi line yesterday, you gave out the Steelers plus two and a half in this one on the Monday night game against the Browns. Tell us a little bit about
7: your reasoning on this one. Uh, We always talk about overreactions week one. To me, these two teams, the Browns and the Steelers, are two of the most overreacted teams here sitting in week two on a Monday night. The Browns, we just talked about it, looked great against Cincinnati, but they were always going to look great. And you flip over to the Steelers side... They got blasted by San Francisco, but they took a punch in the mouth early in that game, weren't really able to respond from that. I think that was more San Francisco is really good than Pittsburgh isn't very good. The look ahead here was Pittsburgh laying a point, and now we're catching two, two and a half with the Steelers. And just an overreaction. I mean, an interesting betting splits game here, too. You've got close to 80% of the bets coming in on the Browns. But we've ticked down to two today, so you can tell the books aren't willing to go to three at any point. There's going to be more Browns money on this. I think the Steelers is the right side, though. I don't think that was the true Pittsburgh Steelers that you'll see for the full season. Kenny Pickett just looked off in that game. His accuracy, specifically in ball placement, just wasn't great. I think you're going to see a lot better, more motivated effort out of the Steelers here in this spot. And I don't think the Browns are able to open up. Like the like San Francisco was. Cleveland had a ton of opportunities to really open up that game against Cincinnati early. And it was 13 to 3 for a very, very long time here. I don't think Pittsburgh's gonna have to get past the mid 20s to win it. I think they're gonna win on Monday night.
3: All right. I want to ask you a question, expand on this really quickly. So w- when it came to the model stuff this week, Mike, one of the things that really sticks out when you look over it is a lot of the games are pretty in line with the market, but the edges are massive. And this is kind of one of those games. And, and I actually had a little bit of confidence in this edge that the model spit out, because the, the model's got Steelers by about 4.2, 4.3 points. It, but if you look at it in line with what the look-ahead line was, as you're referencing, it's actually kind of in line. I have some confidence there. I think the market was right in making the Steelers' favorite here. I would agree with the sentiment. How often are you using that, the look-ahead line, as a barometer for the next week, and looking at whether or not these, the market is overreacting to previous
7: results? I think it's important to look at it. I I will generally adjust my power rankings a max of one and a half to two points for a team. So the most you should really be off that that look ahead line is four points. Right. So if one team gets upgraded to another team gets downgraded to, then you could kind of justify a four point move off the look ahead to the next line. A week one, I think, is more important to look at those look ahead lines because you do have so many people overreacting to a single data point. And a single data point is just not justifiable for an overreaction. You need to have a, a wealth of data, four or five weeks, before you can really say, yeah, this team is definitely overrated. This team is definitely underrated. You make those adjustments as you go. But to me, when you're moving lines four, five, six points, it, it's saying that, okay, we were completely wrong about the Steelers, we were completely wrong about the Browns. I don't think we were completely wrong about either team. I think that the Browns played well in a great spot. The Steelers played poorly in a tough spot. And so for me, I'm not making massive adjustments for either of these teams. So the numbers should be closer to that look ahead than what we are currently sitting at.
5: So, Mike, in your case, how much time do you generally give it maybe before you decide to make what I would consider an extreme adjustment on a team? Is it going to be several weeks in or is just sometimes... Why, let me ask you this, actually. Forget that question. Why do we have a tendency to overreact so much just based on one week, even though everybody's kind of prepared leading up to the season
7: and know what they know going into it? Because after one week, you're either a g- genius or a fool. We all <laughs> had opinions on these teams going into week one. And if, if your teams played well... You're going to continue to back those. You're going to think it it, it was a situation where you were dead on. You were correct. The market was wrong. And you're going to start upgrading these teams more than necessarily you should. And on top of it, you were probably higher on these teams going into week one. So you're going to see more variance there from what the market is. On the other side, if you hated a team and they played terribly, you're going to make that same move where you're just aggressively moving these teams. And when you just have that single data point. It really makes it hard to be able to make big moves because you need a a wealth of data before you can accurately judge these teams. But when you come in with your priors and then you have one data point that either supports that or denies that, you're going to make larger adjustments in that single week. And and to me, you kind of have to wait four or five weeks before you really get a good idea of a team. And so my biggest moves will come between week one and week five, but it will be the aggregate of the moves during those weeks because I will slowly downgrade or slowly upgrade teams. I would rather be a little slower to it than be way out in front of it and continually betting the same team and just running into a wall because they are not winning or they're losing because my numbers are so far off.
3: Mike, at what point of a season would you say that you are using a vast majority of that current season's data for your ratings or, or your numbers?
7: Between week five and week six is yeah. when I feel like you can really dial it in. And that's one of the reasons, like I wrote an article about uh, about this last week for VSIN. Teasers later in the season become so much more valuable because I think the market is so much more efficient once you get to week five and week six. So you you don't have these games where you have a team like the Steelers who don't cover that teaser line week one they get absolutely blown out you don't have those situations where those close games end up in 20 point games later in the season because the market is going to be more correct with more data points and so for me after five or six weeks i feel like you can really dial in who these teams are obviously injuries play a role in that but once you're dialed in you can get some pretty good numbers and i feel like you can really rely on teasers later in the season as well Uh, it was after week five or week six last year i believe Teasers ripped off close to an 87% win percentage uh, long teaser legs in the later part of the season. Up until that point, they were almost only 58%. And that shows it how volatile it is early, but how consistent that market can get late. Love that statistic you just gave on the
5: teasers there. Let's go to one more game here, the, um, the, the Giants game. We were talking about this game earlier with JVT, and I know you have a play on this one, but uh, kind of explain to people
7: why you like the Giants in this game. Uh, this is another game where I think people watched that Dallas game and they said, well, the Giants are just atrocious. But on paper, that matchup was terrible for the Giants. They have a weaker offensive line that Dallas was able to continually pressure. They move the ball a little bit early. They have that field goal blocked. They drop down. They're immediately down 16 points against the, the the Cowboys team. All of a sudden, they have to do exactly what the Cowboys want them to do, which is drop back and throw the ball. I don't think that's a very good representation of this Giants team. I think this Giants team has weapons with Waller, with Saquon Barkley. I believe that Daniel Jones is not a bad quarterback. Now you flip over, you get to play an Arizona Cardinals team that left it all on the field last week. They spent three months hearing how bad they were, how they were going to get blown out, how are they the worst team in the NFL. They played with just so much intensity in that Washington game. Now, it wasn't the best intensity. They were a little bit all over the place in a lot of different spots. But they played very, very hard. It's going to be tough for Arizona to replicate that same effort and that same level of commitment week in and week out. And this Giants team now needs to win this game. It's a huge spot for them. If they lose this, their season is essentially over. I like laying almost anything under the touchdown here. I made this close to six and a half. I think the four number is just way too cheap for a significantly better Giants team, who also has a massive coaching edge in this spot as well. You can't discount how good Brian Dable is and how good he was off a loss last year as well.
3: Mike Samich with us. Mike, are there any other games on the board that you haven't played that you were waiting for a number or were close on but couldn't pull the trigger because of a move or anything like that?
7: I looked long and hard at the Tennessee and the Chargers game here. I like the Chargers. I'm getting a little concerned with the injuries that we're seeing. Eckler now unlikely to play. That just came out like Joshua Kelly as backup. But for me, I want to fade Tennessee as much as possible early in the season. I actually played them week one because I thought the three was too much against a team that can't really score in New Orleans. But this Chargers offense can put up points. And this Tennessee offensive line is absolutely atrocious. The Chargers should be able to get consistent pressure against this Tennessee line. Tannehill looked abominable in that first game. He missed multiple wide-open touchdowns, just was not able to hit anybody in the secondary I felt like it, you saw a little bit of that slowdown that we've been waiting for from Derrick Henry as well. So for me, the Chargers sitting here at two and a half is awfully tempting. I haven't pulled the trigger on it. I don't think we're going back to three with the Eckler news. So I think you're going to have time to make a decision of whether or not you want the Chargers in this spot. But you also have to kind of concern the Chargers are just going to charge her because that's what happened <laughs> last week. No one's talking about the pass interference at the end of the first half hmm. where they literally just pushed the Dolphins player. 40 yards down the field and Miami gets a field goal off that they end up winning the game by two that was the deciding play in the game it was a pass interference on a Hail Mary at the end of the half in that Chargers Dolphins game no one's no one's mentioned in that one
3: Mike Samich Vison host you can uh, hear him and watch him of course on the weekends the handle is the show and he's been here for like two weeks he's already got a better headshot than me how about that all right we'll take our <laughs> break we'll come back but we'll keep it up with Mike on the other side